Hello, this is Unanimous Indecision. I'm Joshua Troop, and it is the best day of the week because it's the same day as the previous episode because we had to record these back to back, which means it's still Saturday. We're recording this a little early. We usually do this one on like Wednesday, but uh, for vacation reasons, we got to record this a little early, uh, which means once again, we won't be talking too much movie news um, so that we can get out of here in a timely fashion. Uh, but I am joined by Ian Rismondo, um, in case you weren't listening to the last episode. Yep. That was like anyone watching live was like three minutes ago, so it may not be super shocking. But if it is, like, he's here. Still happy to be here, man. It's been three minutes. Something could have happened. Uh, I was still happy. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit more content, I guess. Less than happy, but yeah, I was, let's All get right. into movies. Okay. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's because I'm talking to you, and like, I could be like not talking to you. Huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, just to remind everyone, if this is your first time listening, uh, because even though we're recording these back to back, just to give the full opening spiel again. Uh, yep, there is an opening spiel I always give that is escaping me right now. If you're listening to us, um, there are many different formats. You can find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are sold for free, or you can join us live on twitch.tv slash unanimous indecision, where you can share your thoughts and theories about whatever it is we are talking about. Um, today we are talking about a Kingsman and uh, The Matrix Resurrections, a prequel and a sequel, you know? It's a little bit of both. Um, and, well, I meant a Kingsman's the prequel. And, okay. Oh, gotcha. um, yeah, you missed it. It's all I good. Did. I did. And uh, we will be spoiling both of these because these are the kind of conversations we like to have. It's like talking around the water cooler at work or lunch table at school, wherever you talk about your favorite movies and TV shows. You just want to talk about them in the fullest, you know? And Dude. then, uh, yeah. Neo dies. In revolutions, yeah, yes, that is correct. Uh, in a movie that came, movie out that came out twenty, like 20 years ago. ago. <laughs> no. No. Uh, uh, yeah, we can probably just jump right in. I think. Right. Um, so uh, let's talk about Kingsman first because I think Matrix Resurrections is more interesting to talk about. Okay. Uh, Kingsman prequel follows the origin of the Kingsman Agency which uh revolves around world war one uh what what do you think about this movie i think it's pretty interesting i uh, i liked it uh i've only seen kingsman one so i haven't uh been able to see uh the sequel uh so i didn't quite get all the references i did get archie reed and whatnot but outside of that there might have been other things that i missed um i thought this was really good i i liked the setup for the characters i think their motivations worked um can't remember uh, the duke of oxford's um pacifism i think was well well deserved from his time in the war i think this was just brilliantly set up um and as like a a little bit of a history buff uh i like when when it's like historical fiction Uh, so we get to see it it kind of matches along with our history but we see points where it uh, diverges and so i was like oh this is really cool we can see that like there's actually an organization behind why world war one started and apparently Um, world war two and apparently world war (laughs) two uh same organization actually right. can't wait till world war three happens yeah <laughs> um but yeah it is fun i, I like all the rest and stuff i think mm-hmm. <laughs> building up to that uh 
all the recipe and stuff that that stuff is a lot of fun and it's crazy it's quirky it's uh, it's it's just really good so maybe i'm wrong uh but i don't seem to recall this world being mystical or magical in any way and Rasputin straight up heals a guy's leg. Right. But supposedly that was stuff that Rasputin was able to do in real life. So now, I, while I still don't know how Rasputin did it. It was. Now, <laughs> and that's a fair point. Rasputin is, is a, a mystical being uh, character, uh, both in like, real life and in this. <laughs> like in real life, no one can explain what the stuff Rasputin did. So I'm okay with them kind of. Okay. You know, okay it's right. not like he was actually casting a spell, but he was like, Nah, he was doing something mystical. Uh, he was doing something and, weird. And, and I liked the, his their portrayal of Rasputin, especially with his death, because that is something of of. I mean, maybe uh, Rasputin's point is that like he was just psychosomatic or something. That's also a good point. It, it could be like, wow, it's actually just in his head. And I don't yeah. really know. Who knows? But oh man. So for those who don't know uh, about Rasputin and, and why he, if they watched this and wasn't quite sure, Rasputin's death is a topic of great interest considering he managed to survive way too much. Like this man was given yeah. enough poison to kill several men, survived it. He was stabbed a couple times, survived it, shot, survived it, put in a rug, thrown in the river, and then he drowned. He died by drowning. I thought it was... Like, it wasn't even still the fully drowning. Didn't his liver give out from the regular wine? Oh, did and it? That's what made the him autopsy. drown? Is that <laughs> Maybe. Like he, he couldn't get back out because he was in so much pain from his liver? <laughs> okay, I don't know that. Just from so the, the, reg case. the regular wine. It wasn't like the poison in the wine. It, it was, was just, just the, the wine itself. Wine. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know that. If that's I think true. that's what it was. It was Holy like the combination cow. of his liver failing while he was drowning. Oh, that man. like had it only been one there's a possibility he would have survived but Did you know? yeah since I, it I was both i think that's what it was i don't know Fun. i remember something about did you that. know that his daughter actually traveled to america and became like a circus performer that's crazy dude imagine I don't, being a descendant of rescue i don't know if she had any children so i don't know if that that line still exists that's something we could probably Jeez. google but that's definitely going to be invading crazy. people's privacy but yeah but I mean, there. This movie's portrayal of him was just great because he's so uncomfortable to watch. He's just so uncomfortable to be around, and that's that's how it was in real life. Like you can look at photos, and I mean, at the time that he lived, photography was a fairly new profession yeah. and, and a new like invention. But this man acutely understood like the importance of photographs and like mass media, because in every single image that he's almost every single image that he's in, uh, it's most people like talking to each other, not quite looking at the camera. This man is staring at the camera right. so that when you're looking at the image, he's staring at you. Right. Like he's disturbing. He's a disturbing person. Yeah. And I like that they show, I mean, to go off like the, the magic idea, like he poisons the sun, the czar's sun, right? That like to, to the czar, it is magic. Right, right. That's right to like to the audience because we get to see Rasputin putting the poison in um, given him time he'll the sun will just recover and so like it's the appearance of magic but right right so uh, he's doing which other is, things which is likely what happened in real life right yeah and but uh, I think that makes a lot of sense um so the Rasputin stuff I like um the all of the sun stuff I don't remember his name I don't either Lancelot uh <laughs> Um, he's, uh, he's really good. Um, 
Uh, also, I was surprised about Aaron Taylor Johnson being in this movie. Did he portray? I don't. He was the soldier that the soldier oh, he was the soldier. Uh, okay, okay. Who eventually becomes a kingsman named Lancelot. Lancelot. <laughs> uh, and I think all that stuff's really good. Um, I really like the storytelling for the movie up until the very end, mm-hmm. which is where they go to the mountain. Yeah, the, the, the pillar. <laughs> Yeah, the pillar. Um, and they're going for that other guy. Yes. And then they're like... More time or something. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, the actual big bot. Well, they're not there for him. They're there for the other guy. I don't remember what the other guy's name was. Um, They're there for a different guy? They're there for him, aren't they? They didn't know who it was, but they were there for... They were just there for the cashmere. They were just there because they were like, there's probably oh, that's, something here. That's the right? next step, and it turned out to be the the, the final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay. they didn't know they were chasing the bed, right. the big bed. Right. Um, they were just like, well, there's a clue here. And then it just, the clue just turns out to be the big bed. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of a little disappointing that it was just like, hey, Conrad. surprise, you've chased enough clues and you found it. Conrad is the son's the big, name. Oh, the son. I feel like that's a Scottish name. <laughs> uh, and so I thought other than that point, otherwise, yeah, it's a fun movie. It captures a lot of the Kingsmen's uh, kind of fun art, artistic fighting. What did you think? Uh, also, the music is really good during each fight, which the True. Kingsman has always uh, done as a franchise. So from a stylistic perspective, I think it's done pretty well. Um what did you think of the portrayal of World War One? Because that's kind of always the thing when you look at films, like how how good of a depiction is it? Is it like does it take itself seriously? What not? I, I think this was a very good depiction of World War One. You see I how really like the time lapse. Oh, how they showed that like prosperous city or whatever. I don't oh, know. Oh yes, it was. yes. And they yes. and, and they have that voiceover that like in two years they were able to accomplish what thought could it be done for decades yes and you get to see that that transformation and that oh, was that, that was city where into all these carved trenches to where there's basically nothing left yeah that was cool um, what what did you think about uh the big twist in the middle of it, the film where we, we swap protagonists i don't necessarily agree as much <laughs> i we we've talked about this before uh the idea of killing off your protagonist in the middle of the story uh to instead follow someone else and i don't necessarily feel that it totally was that way i think it was still a twist that they killed him off but i think they were shared protagonists because i okay. feel like they followed the father quite a bit uh, I it's, guess so. It's just in that particular sequence that they, they were following the sun, like ten minutes straight, where we're just following the sun. Well, I I do think uh, the sun is the major protagonist even early on because even in the the opening scene where we see the the mother, father, and son in I don't remember where that is. Um, yeah, but it's not necessarily the. I mean, sure, it does. I guess they are uh, co-protagonists, but like it's sure it's certainly an effect on the father because we see that he like does his best to keep his son out of war but honestly like that we see the son and how it affects him early on and how he wants to prove himself and he wants to 
to be able to to be the hero so that things like that can't happen again. So I guess they are shared protagonists, yeah. but but also like as we've talked about, uh, it's not it's not just the idea of killing off someone and then following someone else. It's the idea of killing off someone close to the person that we're going to be following. Right, right. Because we get to really see For how sure. that affects their mental state and how that affects their themselves going forward. And I think this movie does that very well. Yeah, because we see sure. we see the father get into the drunken stupor. We see him eventually get talked out of it, and he and I think it's fantastic. He's like, uh, like don't be a better man. Be this man your son would have been if he had he lived. Which right. I think is is powerful. So now very, he's very not strong. living for himself. He's living, he's not living for his for son. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. That that stuff was really good. Um, and like also oh. the 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 three bro- not cousin the three cousins cousins and they're all played by the same actor. I thought that was a very fun idea. Because um, I mean, I I guess I never knew that. But it's probably true. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it uh, that the leader of uh, Germany, England, and Russia were all cousins who were raised next to each other. Like, I, I believe that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure. So I had a funny thing happening in the theater. Um, so I didn't, my theater wasn't very packed. There were probably like seven or eight people in it. Uh, but there was this group of two women behind me that were very vocal and they did not like the female um, uh, servant, like yeah. militant servant. Because like, I just, throughout the movie, they're like, oh, I bet she's going to pop up next. She's going to save it. Like when they were fighting Rasputin, they were, they were saying, oh, she's probably going to stop in and just end it really quickly. And immediately after she shoots one shot and says, okay, boys, like why you're so, why do boys have to be so messy? And I just heard them go, are you kidding me? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and so they were they were not happy about that and i kind of have to agree that she was like the most not necessarily how bad of a character was but she is definitely the most efficient and or proficient person in this entire film like she can do absolutely everything she cracks right. she cracks the the code by herself what takes other people they weren't able to do yeah she's she was she's kind an of incredible like, marksman she was she's like the, the every kingsman you know, she she could do it all. She could do it all, and I, uh, I kind of thought that was funny because I was just listening to this. So I'm like, and then the I mean, fact that like point. for most of it, she's kind of sidestepped, and then after the other Kingsmen fail, then she does steps in and succeeds. And it's right. like, why was that not the plan in the first place? <laughs> I mean, you wanted to poison him. You wanted whatever. Just, just... yeah. I mean, if, if you could, if you okay. Maybe they didn't want to just shoot Rasputin because they think it would cause like a big issue, right? Because then people but, would think he was murdered, and but then they did solve it by shooting him, and then it wasn't an issue. True. Yeah, hindsight twenty twenty. You know. So, I don't know. Next time they go to assassinate someone, just just shoot them. Yeah, yeah. She did have a lot of skills, like a lot, and it was like very widespread. Like typically in your D and D party, you don't want one person being a, an expert of all trades. Right, because then why do you have anyone else do anything? Right, yeah. But I, I did think the chemistry between all, you know, the actors was great. I love like the, the little quips Yeah, because she was also the emotional backbone of the Duke. Like, <laughs> yeah. geez, man. Her character expert, did everything. An expert marksman with both a revolver and a sniper. Like, she, yeah. she can do it all. Code breaker, cake maker. 
I think if they have more individuals like her, I think I feel like women would have gotten into the army a lot sooner. Like if, if you can look at this woman and be like, wow, this right. lady is absolutely incredible. Why don't we have more? Why don't we train more people yeah. like her? Why don't you? Why doesn't she train people like her? The Kingsmen should all be people like her. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I Overall, I thought it was a good film. I think the twist was well done. I think the, the emotional effect it had on the father was great. Um, maybe you didn't like it quite as much, but I think this was a very good movie. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just like walked out of it unsettled because I don't know. I think it's I think it's weird to say that like now with I, I guess we don't know who assassinated the Archduke in general. So like it, it was back, a student. It was a student, but we don't oh, know. Okay. Who, so there we go. We do know. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think I was okay with the movie kind of until the end credit scene, which it's like to claim that there was someone behind the atrocities that Hitler did, I feel like is a way to excuse Hitler. Right. Maybe or at least like... maybe not excuse, but like, at least there's a claim of excuse. Like, like I don't believe in the thing of like, um, I was just following orders. No, that still makes you as guilty as the person that gave them to you. I think that <laughs> like, think that yes, it's your duty see. to follow them, mm -hmm. but you should choose court-martial over that. You should choose... <laughs> if you think it was wrong, you should choose your own death over someone else's. Like, I think that pretty much the only way that they can possibly make a sequel to this and have it not be just like have a lot of people be like that i'm really upset about this because you do bring up a good point that if if hitler was following the orders of someone else they'd be like well i don't i don't want to think of hitler as a sympathetic figure right so uh, i think the way they could do that is if hitler is and i don't even know who daniel Bruhl's character was i don't i don't remember i don't think we were given a name at all <laughs> but let's say that he gives hitler the order to maybe just kick the Jews out or whatever, whatever it is. Cause I, I do know at first Hitler did want to just get them out so that they could have the Aryan race right. in Germany. And, and then afterwards it did switch from kicking people out to getting rid of people. So maybe he's given orders to kick people out and he, and Hitler himself is like, ah, I've got a better idea. And, and then, so then it is his own, mm -hmm. it is his own reasoning. So like, his orders were to get rid of the Jewish population out, like just get them out, get them on trains. So he out was like even country. too evil for this evil cabal. Right, right. And if if they do something like that, then I think we we're not going to see Hitler as a sympathetic figure, and that's Maybe. probably the best thing that the movie can do. Maybe it's hard to leave judgment on something that's that hasn't even been written yet. So <laughs> true. They might go in a different. I mean, I don't, but know. I, I don't know. I I just when that happened, I was like, mm, that's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> also, like Lenin's not alive for World War Two, but. Uh, <laughs> So their whole reason for putting Hitler in power to equal right. Lenin, like Lenin's no longer there. I don't know. Very weird. If, I mean, I mean, what if the movie just opens up and Lenin's just like shot or killed? Like, like he's just immediately. Probably right. Like, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, something that I think the Kingsman did well was how close it was to to historical to history. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously it's it's changing a bit of fiction, so behind the scenes it's a little bit different. But it did yeah. stick to to history fairly well. Yeah. And what so, what and, the common man knows would still be the same. Right. And so now, if we're switching, if now for again similar to what we were talking about with the Wheel of Time, if we're diverging quite a bit from what we already know, it's I think it loses that cool aspect of being close enough to history. Yeah. Yeah. So. I also think it's a little weird that like the celebratory moment at the end is them celebrating that they will start a spy organization that has no oversight 
which it's like <laughs> it's a very weird thing to celebrate that like hey we can assassinate whoever we want <laughs> yeah as, <laughs> as, much like, as as long as good people are in charge i guess it's okay but the moment someone isn't moral <laughs> is part of this organization like all of a sudden it becomes very uh a very evil organization very easily right like you gotta wonder like king george is sitting there and he's he's a founding member and he's happy to be there but like when they say with no oversight he's like mm, i don't know <laughs> right like the he's second like, well, that i fall out of favor yeah the second <laughs> that i fall out of favor i could be yeah. so i don't know uh, i also think it's weird that king george is part of it um like it's cool on one hand but at the other hand it's like, like how <laughs> i guess it is i guess it is a secret organization and and so as long as the kingsman agency stays secret it's fine but if the world finds out that this spy organization exists with no oversight that a king is a part of mm -hmm. and, and it, like that's I don't know. I think that's a bit of it's a... It's all just a ruse so that King George now has to obey King Arthur's commands. <laughs> that's true. That's um, true. Also, all I could think about... I know, obviously, like, a hundred years passes before Kingsman won. But right. all I could think about was, like, so the Duke is Michael Caine's character, who's Arthur, who actually betrays Eggsy. <laughs> I was like, he becomes <laughs> evil in the end. But obviously, it's a different Arthur because all the other members are different. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool um, that they go with that kind of King Arthur thing. Um, although it is funny that it's not a round table, despite them talking. Talk, yeah, I mean, I mean, even in Kingsman One, it's not a round table. So ah, <laughs> it's the same table, and it's, it's all just a lie. Not a round table. It's all a lie, uh, which is funny. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Jamin Hansu's amazing. He should be in every movie that exists. Um, he's been he's been getting close to that recently. He's been he's been in quite a quite a few things. <laughs> yeah, he he should just be like, hey, we need to fill a role, Jamin Hansu. Um, although I am waiting for the movie that makes him the leading protagonist because mm -hmm. he's kind of like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. True. Um, he's, he's gonna like be a wedding movie, the and secondary or tertiary character in everything he's in. But he does, a, and he does a fantastic role in all those. So we're just waiting now for one, one like, yeah, script screenwriter to be like, ah, I've got something that'll be for you. And, uh, I guess he's the full antagonist in Sahara. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Put German Hansu in more movies. Which will be hard to do because he's in every movie already. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a pretty good movie. It's an interesting movie. It's if you like the Kingsman style, I think you should enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're if you like any of the history or some of the the mystique yeah. around uh, World War One, I, I think this is another good film for you as well. Yeah, because it's it's fun. It's fun. Um, just and then also <laughs> they include the american ambassador in, in the king it's like why i get it they say in kingsman one that there was an american part of it mm -hmm. and he's probably the reason why in kingsman 2 there's that texas group or kentucky group i don't remember 
that are basically the Kingsmen of um, they're named after some some whiskey because that's uh, their thing. Is it's funny. not it's not clothing, it's whiskey. Um, and they all have names of different whiskeys. Uh, <laughs> so that was done specifically for brand deals, right? That was specifically for like ah. Uh... Well, they they're just like types. They're, they're oh, okay, okay. Types. I thought it was like your like brand names. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, here's Captain like, Morgan. Here's some, someone's called whiskey. Someone's yeah. called maybe it's just different types of alcohol because I think someone's called tequila, uh, um, and, and stuff like that. Um, I would be absent. <laughs> <You'll> be... <laughs> yeah, and this is beer because <laughs> you are hard to look at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Imagine After being just that... a short time with you, I can't stand you anymore. <laughs> Imagine being in that and just someone's code name is just beer. Beer. Hey, beer, get over here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like your intern. Right, right. Yeah. And this is natural light. <laughs> natural. <laughs> uh, he's, the, he's like the janitor. He's the. <laughs> this is hard seltzer. <laughs> this is limoncello. Yeah. Uh, All right. They. Um, but yeah, so like, even though we know there was an American part of the Kingsman, I just think it's funny that right away, Amer this American ambassador who's had such a small encounter, uh, but he is played by Stanley Tucci. So sure, why not? I'm all there for it. True. Uh, Do you think, have we looked at like the statistics of how well the Kingsman is doing? Like, is this going to make enough money to even warrant a sequel? <laughs> uh probably not because it got released next to spider-man and if there was any money to be made outside of spider-man it probably went to the matrix uh i'm trying to find the king's man box office and it's just giving me secret service um that's because it's is it the king's man it is the king's man and that's what i typed in you're right it is just giving me that uh so far apparently it's made 2.2 million yeah, which is not a lot. It has only been three days. Like, we haven't even gotten to the true opening weekend of it yet. Right. Um, but I really don't think it's going to make a ton of money being released in between Spider-Man and uh, The Matrix. Spider-Man of which I think just crossed $800 million Wow. within one week. Um, stand by. $876 million as of today and it's only been a week so i mean spider-man no way home will cross a billion this weekend well i was, I was wondering uh, to see if that no would be doubt. the fastest but uh avengers endgame did it in five days um, and, and then, then matrix previous... resurrections so just to give a little idea wow the the three fastest grossing films of all time are all marvel films the uh, the previous predecessor was Avengers: Infinity War, which yeah. did it a billion in eleven days, uh, <coughs> and then Endgame did it in five, and it'll probably so, be No Way Home will probably beat Infinity War, I think. Uh, when did it come out? It came out the seventeenth, technically seventeenth. Yeah. So it's got three more days. Yeah, it'll probably do it. Yeah, I think because it'll probably do it today. Yeah. Everyone oh, because it is Christmas. Families to go yeah, see. yeah. Assuming right. that you can make a hundred and thirty million dollars in one day. I mean, they they did it earlier. They did. I guess that's true. They did opening day. Yeah, they did it opening okay. day. So yeah, I think it, it might make more today than it did opening day. Well, um, they did hundred and twenty-five million in opening day. So like yeah, that was yeah, that's a cool. uh, hundred thirty million. That's what? That's five million dollars. That's nothing. Well, I think we, it, it we was. Eight, here with I think it was eight seventy-six. 
anyways. So they would only oh. use 125. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they did it in a day. Uh, yeah. Um, and then even if there was, I don't know, let's say 20 million other dollars to be made uh, this week, well, that 20 million all went to the Matrix because the Matrix has made 19.6 million dollars while a Kingsman is uh, chilling at uh, two. two. So yeah, I don't think the Kingsman is going to make very much money regardless of whether people like it or not. Well, uh, because it's, it's released in between these two movies. I was even thinking, I don't think Matrix Resurrections is going to make that much money regardless of whether people make it or, like it or not because people are just going to be watching Spider-Man No Way Home for the next three weeks. Very true. Uh, <laughs> until they're at home watching Boba Fett. Um. I will say, though, The Matrix Resurrections is on HBO Max, so maybe people are watching it there just because they don't have to go to the movie theater. Yeah, um, I definitely think I definitely recommend going to see this in the theater, though, because it was it was great to watch. It was, uh, and because of that, we can start talking about Matrix Resurrections. Can. Because um, I know you need to get out of here in 20 minutes. I, uh, roughly. I can probably okay. stay a few, few minutes after. Uh, what do you think about Matrix I think this might be the most meta movie I've ever seen. The most like, like uh, they were talking about the idea. First off, they they turned the trilogy into games, and I know it makes sense for the plot later. But the fact that they just straight up turned the trilogy into games, uh, they're Overlords, Warner Brothers. They wanna they wanted a, they wanted a sequel to it. They wanted a fourth one, so they're making the Matrix Four inside the Matrix Four, right? Inside of a Matrix. Yeah. Uh, dude, I. <laughs> Uh, I did like it. I, I liked this film. Um, I think that this would probably be one of the only ways that they could make a sequel to uh, the third one, which I don't remember. Res Revolu Revolution? Revolutions, was, yeah. I think, because um, that was kind of the big question, because we know that Neo and we know that Trinity died. And so, like, how are, how are they going to do it? And in this, we did get the answer. Um, but, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my time. Yeah, I like it once the film, like the, I will say I walked into the theater five minutes late, so I missed it, but I, uh, like I missed all that Morpheus stuff. Okay. Um, and I was just like, I clearly missed a big explanation and I'm just going to accept everything and watch it when I get home on HBO Max. And I did. And I was like, now it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh there were a few things that i have problems with but I, okay. I i did enjoy my time and i think it was a really good movie i i think the stuff at the very beginning is really good that stuff that i missed mm -hmm. um is very good and then the next like 20 minutes is maybe the worst 20 minutes in the entire franchise it's where it's just them pitching video game ideas and like the conversation he has with smith mm -hmm. about the meta stuff that stuff works for me all of the stuff their entire group has of video game pitches i think is a huge waste of time and is literally just there like that should be in the blooper reel like i don't care to see any of this so it has nothing to do with the story <laughs> did you stay for the the end credit scene yeah which was yeah. even more of it. Wait, so <laughs> that's that's also part of why i think this is the most meta movie ever and and yeah. i so first off while we were while i was watching the credits uh i i was in the theater with two other guys sat next to me they they were just other guys i didn't i didn't know them sure. but 
the theater was relatively packed and every single person except for the three of us left. And I'm like, dude, you can't just leave movies anymore. Like at this point, right. anytime I watch a movie, I, I Google it to see if there's a credit scene. So I found one and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to sit through it. And I respect, uh, I respect this film and, and the people behind it for making the credit scene be at the end. They're like, you're, you're going to sit through the entire thing yeah. because the, you, you deserve to, these people sure. deserve their chance to shine. And then the credit scene we got was the most worthless thing I've ever seen. And I laughed out of, I laughed because they, they got me. They made me sit through this thing. <laughs> they made me look at all these names. And I read a lot of them. I, I read all yeah. the stuff in, in credits and they fully got me. And then it was the cat tricks. And I was like, this this got, you know, it was funny. Was like, woo. Right, right. I feel like there was an opportunity to tease a fifth one and you didn't. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do a fifth one. They can. They can, but I don't know if they're going to. I actually need them to. Really? I'm going to say it's necessary. Okay. Because I was kind of livid. Okay. With the the very ending, um, with the speech that Trinity and Neo give oh, to the analyst. Oh, yeah. This is I thought that was some of the most confusing dialogue that was so it didn't make any sense until we see what we're gonna get, I guess. Because Trinity says we're going to remake your world, meaning the matrix. And like, what the heck are you talking about? Aren't you going to free all the people? <laughs> they're, they're gonna. Well, maybe maybe they can't free all the people because there's not enough like resources. Like they they're making straw. They're making individual strawberries. Unless they want to go back to feeding slop, I don't know if they can feed the whole population. Right now. So what? Those people are being farmed. Well, they're not but, even conscious of their own selves. And I don't know. I I guess they're gonna make a they're gonna make a matrix that's more realistic. People can actually suffer in this, and they're not actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know, dude. Um, I, I will say, say the change to the Matrix, um, I think, is cool because I think the Matrix already from the core three, the the original three films, mm-hmm. um, I think it already feels very real. But then the twist the analyst gives us to explain how his is different from the architects, mm-hmm. um, where the architect was more based on like probabilities and numbers and, and all these things. Yeah um his is based more in emotion, emotion. and the, the this pull of i forget the way he says it but the the desire for the things we want and the fear of losing the things uh we are, are we have. already have and i was like that's another kind of like foundational truth of like human nature and so i was like that is kind of cool um that they they added that aspect to it and i actually think yeah, i mean he's right it is a more powerful one because if you think about it kind of from like a societal standpoint that like we're all trying to like go up up in society try, trying to find ourselves in a better situation while at the same time trying not to lose our current standing in that effort to grab it right and so like there, there's a risk reward system um, and then having that being the overarching metaphor for Trinity and Neo's uh, overall battery power output, uh, I, I think was really cool. It was a cool explanation. Definitely. Um, dude, I mean, we saw this in the trailer, but like the um, his his uh, par- his partner, but eventually is Mr. Smith. Um, I thought was done very very oh, well. Yeah. Because, um, like, we see that because Neo's being hunted by the swarm or whatever it is, 
Morpheus is doing fighting, and then this guy, Smith, just walks out, like, walks through the chaos, and he sees a gun on the ground, and he picks it up, and you see, like, this change his face, and then the scream, Mr. Anderson, and it, like, cuts back yeah. and forth. That was so cool. <laughs> Love that. I think it's weird that they cut back. At the beginning, I think it works, because he's, like, actually having PTSD. Mm-hmm. But they do a lot more later in the movie. They, like, keep doing it. Right, which doesn't and make, I was make like, sense anymore. Because now it feels like it's just for the audience because he's kind of no longer having PTSD because he knows what he fully is believes real. It. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And so fair. it's weird that they kept doing it. Yeah, uh, uh, with like Morpheus later, and yeah, it's weird. I wonder what, because because Morpheus in this film was a program created by Thomas Anderson. I love the explanation for new Morpheus, who isn't it's cool. actually Morpheus at all. It's cool, but, but my, my question is, how does Niobe, how do other people who do Morpheus think about Morpheus now? Like, because well, he's now not there Morpheus is a, at all, so. Okay, so. It's just are a you, intelligence. Called Morpheus, and, and yeah. with, with some of the same memories, because he, like, this Morpheus is doing his best to become Morpheus. This right. is like the prequel version of Morpheus. But, but so that's kind of the point, is that, Neo wrote this program as this hybridization of uh, Mr. S- Agent Smith right. and Morpheus. And Morpheus. Because he real subconsciously, he knows that those were the people that woke it up in him. Mm-hmm. And, so he, he and so he's trying to wake himself up again yeah. Yeah. by writing this code and then by Bugs finally getting into it and helping this agent smith elevate himself into uh, a more conscious program yeah um all inside no i thought it was i thought it was great little code so you brought Uh, up like the the dialogue at the end where where trinity and neo talk to the analyst as being very confusing and whatnot uh i think when bugs and and morpheus kind of have that, that that first like understanding of each other now and they start talking bugs start speaking a mile a minute and I, I was like, I can't understand this. This is very, like, technical speak. This is very whatever. And I, I couldn't even hear her. Yeah, yeah. It, I, was, it was like, you're a modal. You're, it's built for elevating Like, just like regular people. And it's like, what? Not, no, not even that. No, that was fine. There was, there was, there was about twenty seconds, or maybe less than that, maybe ten seconds, where she was just speaking, and I, I literally couldn't even hear the words she was saying. And, and in the theater, I looked down to the bottom to see if there were subtitles because I couldn't hear her. <laughs> That's funny. And and so I might have to to pull that up on HBO and just go slowly yeah. put subtitles on because I I literally didn't understand a single word she said there. Yeah, it's just a lot of text speak. Yeah. Um, I will say though that it's really funny because I being so confused with that last like conversation with the analyst, I I got home and I was like immediately googling like I'm sure most people did that like what does the ending of the Matrix Resurrections mean and everything literally everything is talking about Trinity flying rather than the ending conversation. And I was like, I don't care about the flying that they explained that to me as it's kind of their, their love in their, their attachment is kind of the one itself. And so like their, their faith in each other is so powerful and kind of just makes the whole matrix ultimately a love story which is kind of romantic i mean i i think the evidence is there in the previous three films uh that that's definitely a huge plot point maybe not the major plot point but a huge plot point um and so so sure now now they both are 
the one kind of thing together. Right. And I was like, I'm okay with all that. I don't need that explained to me. I need explained to me Trinity sentence. We're going to remake your world. Like I need that sentence. (laughs) Cause all I could think about is like, how the setup of this movie starts kind of thing. How, okay, we're 60 years later, um, but they, the reason why Neo and Trinity look so young is because they did die and they were and reconstructed. They were, yeah. And uh, which I think is a cool idea because the Matrix is always having us question kind of what is the difference between man and machine. Yeah. And that's like even further a point like Neo waking up in the matrix one, when he goes full code, um, he's already kind of like this hybrid between man and machine. And now he's even being rebuilt as a machine kind of thing. And I was like, that's kind of further blurring the lines. Um, that's really cool in my opinion. And then like their explanation about, um, it felt actually like a lot of stuff was actually pulled from like the animatrix, which I really liked. Mm. Um, Cause in the animatrix, we see certain machines side with the humans. Okay. That's cool. Um, even though that's a prequel movie and we see that, I guess none of it panned out. Right. right. Um, but their explanation for the machines working with the humans that after Neo and Trinity basically shut everything down um the humans started breaking out more people out of the farms and more people started waking up just on their own. Um, so they, they were just losing power and there was an energy shortage. And so there was a machine civil war mm. that basically said, Hey, maybe we should stop imprisoning the humans and start working with them to find a solution. Um, while the other half said, and the half that wins, and eh, we're just going to make a new major. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. with the analyst in charge and so that that's all like really cool and um now machines are working with humans which is the way it should be um True. since they're just intelligences like the, the rest of us i do like that they're now because we like they're no longer like we got nobody saying it's no longer us versus them it's us and them and so it's no longer like i don't think they were not using the the word humans as a race. They were using sentience. So it's humans and robots as a as this new yes. race of just sentience, which is cool. Versus um, the source, right? Uh, something else that I think is a, a bit of a it's a minor minor thing. But do you remember in the first movie when Neo was brought out and how he had to like rest so long because his muscles and atrophy yeah. so bad? Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that too. They're just fine. They're fine. The, also, Neo they was really fine. They have hair. They were bald before. Uh, yeah, I was like, that's kind of lazy. That's kind of lazy right there. Uh, yeah. yeah. I wish they would have had that again. I, I mean, because it's, it's just more continuity of, of the lore that you have. Like, I mean, which also makes sense. Like, you, these humans have never had to use their muscles in their life. I guess we could argue. The muscles were pre-built. <laughs> but I don't Not know. Not even necessarily that, but because they were made by the machines like this new body was made by the machines that maybe there is something in there that's like more regenerative i mean potentially we did get the the explanation from the analyst that like it, it, this was shown as they were rebuilding the bodies and whatnot that like he said oh like some emotion is the hardest to code meaning that like these bodies were were coded these bodies were built like biogenetically coded um but that's kind of the thing is that like 
what is the difference between a person and a machine? You can boil the entire the amount of information. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, but like the the human existence. It's a biological machine. Is a biological machine. Like it all. It is the most complicated computer program ever written. But it's still a feasible. It's still an understandable as a computer program. I mean, there's there's the idea that we can we're getting closer to the fact that where we can just upload someone not upload someone's brain to online, but like you can take cross sections of a brain yeah. and see what all the all the the way these uh, neurons and synapses fire, and that's something that you can code. So you yeah. can take slices of a brain, which is kind of a, a a weird thing to think about, but you can upload that, and we're getting closer to that. Yeah, yeah, and so like, it's not crazy to like they they say it very explicitly, but like. It's not too different than like just because we don't see the the machine the machinations <laughs> behind the world, but quite literally, um, it doesn't mean that they're not there. Like like for for any of us who are God believing people, that like who's to say that God's not just sitting at a computer programming this universe? All a simulation. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's, it is a simulation, but like, it's, that doesn't make it any less real. Exactly. Right. Like, exactly. Um, and, and that's kind of the point, I guess. It's real, it's real to you. And that's what matters. Yeah. And that's kind of always been what the matrix has been about is that like, I mean, sure. It's the difference between what's real and what's not, but what like, well, uh, we saw with, um, Cypher going back yeah. in, it's real to him. I mean, he right. knows it's fake or not, but he wants to go back to the bliss. He wants to go back to what he can see as real and yeah. that's kind of the thing. Um, and then I like the fact that <laughs> it's kind of funny cause it's definitely, a, um, their company is called Deus, uh, Machina. Deus Machina and agent Smith comes back in the middle of the movie as a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> um, he just pops out of nowhere and wipes out a bunch of people and he's like, all right, that's the end of our alliance. <laughs> nah, I gotta kill you. What what did you think about? Um, I liked the Merovingian popping up with all the exiles and explaining like a lot of stuff. It was kind of like an exposition dump right before a really cool fight, and then the Merovingians just shouting in French for like the rest of it. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that was that was pretty interesting, uh, and I, I did like that because it, it does feel like a lot of care was put into this film, bringing back all these points from the original trilogy. Mm -hmm um and and so as as silly as that was uh i do think it was important and I, I think i think it was really cool um i also liked that we brought back i can't remember the name the the little girl the who grew up to be the yeah sati 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 yeah the little uh, girl from the train station that was yeah. good um it, it yeah it's, it's very it's very respectful of what's come before it um and then wanted to add a little bit more and I think that's nice because they very could like because two and three were are are definitely less remembered and they could have just been like they <laughs> over some of that stuff. They could have yeah. said, well, like, we don't really need to like, acknowledge some of this, but they they fully acknowledged their past and brought back some of the things that were less remembered. Merovingian, who really remembers like what his importance is into like, honestly, I do. It, oh, yeah, <laughs> but you also like Googled it when we were watching it last year. You were like, OK, I don't remember this character at all. Let's <laughs> let's go and see what he's about. I, yeah. I I'm calling you out on that. <laughs> um i remember but, it from a year ago <laughs> yeah yeah but but i like the fact that that this was all acknowledged this was all brought, brought yeah. back it felt like there was a lot of love for the original trilogy and that love and care is still here in this one 
Yeah, and before he was a keeper of the exiles, and now he is an exile. And Agent Smith himself is kind of an exile. Um, and arguably Neo and Trinity are exiles also, but they're desired exiles, I guess. I would. Uh, I'm interested to see because I don't think Mister uh, Mister Mister Smith, Agent Smith, has uh, ever really interacted with the real world to, to our knowledge, at least. You, I mean, we're yeah, he not, did. But like he possesses. He uploads his code to that one. Dude. Oh, you're right. You're right. Never mind. Because I was going to say, like, why would he actually kills? He makes yeah, he makes Neo blind. That's that's show how much I remember. The, he's the guy that makes Neo blind. Uh, movie three, but I mean that's something else because like now we have programs that are getting these these uh digital or these physical bodies in the real world get i don't know get smith out of there like see what he wants yeah. I, I feel like he would be if he could stop trying to kill neo for for a couple minutes i feel like he'd be a great asset because there was that connection in this film and and yeah because they're they're two two sides of the same coin that when one wakes up the other kind of has to now because they they share code <laughs> I feel like it would be kind of like a, a Magneto Xavier relationship. Yeah. yeah. But maybe less and slightly less antagonistic. Maybe. Because uh, I do think they could find a lot of common ground because Smith exactly. is really just pissed that now Smith is really just pissed that um, they have re imprisoned him. <laughs> right. Um, that they erased his freedom. Uh, which is an interesting problem for Smith to have because Smith was erasing other people's freedom. So it's karma. Yeah. Now he's pissed it happened to him. And, uh, and then I will say there's another addition. They made a change to the matrix, I guess um, that I think is a logical one. It's also a scary one. It's also an interesting explanation of things. Okay. Um, and it, I think actually as a, even though it wasn't its purpose, I think it fulfills this new matrix's purpose even further of creating that fear desire, uh, dichotomy, mm-hmm. um, which is the change to agents. Now they're, they they call them just bots. Oh yes. And the way the analyst explains it, he's like agents was like a good idea. But now we decided why make that so that they can upload themselves to any code. Why not just make them already there? So we just flooded the population with bots. And so probably like one in two people is a bot. Right. Um, and <laughs> I felt like I, after reading some of those articles about like the ending of the matrix explained, it seems like a lot of other people got a different interpretation than I did which is that the there's just like a ton of bots amongst the real people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people were being like, people got turned on to swarm mode. And I was like, no, I'm pretty no. sure those are just separate entities that right. aren't they're, real people. They're, they're we, NPCs. Because <laughs> we see that scene where there's like a husband and wife in bed together and the husband leaves and jumps out the window <laughs> and the wife doesn't, she doesn't get turned on. Why wouldn't she get turned on if right. it was something that happened to all people? Funnily enough in the, in the credits, she's credited as wife, just simply wife. Well then I just know her character by heart. Yeah. You have it. In, you know, her character inside and out, the, the, yeah. all the complexities the and intricacies. description. Yeah. You nailed it. Uh, 
and then but yeah otherwise like the the seriousness of it all is really interesting mm -hmm. um <laughs> their military is like really bad at following orders <laughs> like even worse than <laughs> before um but uh you know they'll, they'll probably get it in line now now that they've got neo back uh, but yeah, I, I need a fifth one. I need an explanation of what they're going to do with the, <laughs> the the rest of the humans inside the Matrix and Trinity's claim that they'll make a new one. Would you be content with a something similar to the Animatrix? Because I don't know if we're going to be able to get another big budget film out of this unless it starts making a lot uh, of money. Yeah, I mean, I'd be content. Yeah, because I, I think they should... If you want like a happy ending, um, which I guess Revolutions almost sort of left us with, uh, which is a peace treaty, but I think there is an ending that if the Animatrix sets up the conflict as being that the machines want to be treated as equals with the humans mm -hmm. and the humans weren't able to accept that. Okay, hundreds of years have passed. Um, maybe now, after all of this war and all of this distrust and just stuff they've had to strut, we already see some human, some machines are working with humans and they're welcomed fully. Maybe more can be welcomed and the war can finally be over and they can live together in harmony. Yay. Where machines yeah. just happily do everything for people because they're better at it. <laughs> because that's what machines were made for. It's 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 a cycle. It's the wheel of time, man. It's, it's very weird because it's like the machines want to be treated as equals. I, I think that's where the fifth one should go down is going back to the root of the problem, which is the machines want to be treated as equals, but they're just inherently better at producing product. Mm-hmm. And so humans don't really have any like working capability in this world. And so how do humans like function as just like without being overlords over the machines, if they're not doing any of, if the machines do all the work and the humans aren't their masters, what is their relationship? Like true. How did there feels like a power difference? Um, so how, how do they balance that? And I think that's where the fifth one should go into the debate is that, okay, machines and humans are from an intelligence standpoint, from like a sentient standpoint, equal. Okay. We've gotten past that. They're not just like machines anymore. Right. But now the fact that machine capabilities are so much further than humans, how do we accept that difference? How, how do right. we live with that difference as a society? Which I think is a question we're going to probably have to answer in the real world in a few years, but uh, but to, to have the matrix kind of go through it first, I think would be valuable. I mean, for one thing, a machine workforce doesn't really tire. Right. Uh, whereas humans do, humans need sleep. I don't think the machines need sleep. Exactly. Uh, maybe they need sleep mode to, to update like a laptop does. I don't really know. But... Yeah. And so I wonder if like, in order to be equal, the machines are going to have to like. Restrict themselves. Restrict themselves. <laughs> Or, or, or just actually a, a weird idea. What it's called? What is it? It's not. 
it's not planned obsolescence, but the the idea of of strict of limiting a, a piece of technology. Right. Yeah, it's not planned obsolescence, but yeah, just a like you have to make something worse so that it can be more fair or more equal or something. So like, are these machines right. going to have to be be built or be created in a worse fashion so that they are more equal to these less passive to these inferior humans? Which I suppose maybe. I mean, we've done that with non-machines. <laughs> we, we've chosen to do things less efficiently to reduce monopolies in the past. Um, and we're probably going to have to do that again also in a few years. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, treating the machine, like realizing that there is still that similarity, but you have to first acknowledge machines as full intelligences in order to realize that you need to limit them in order to continue society. <laughs> um, I also think it's really funny that the humans make a fake sky. I think that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, this is kind of a metaphor that they're like kind of putting themselves back into the matrix even though they're not fully plugging back in, but they're choosing to live with a simulated sky. That's fair. Uh, and not only was uh, it simulated, it's actually their own rejection of their reality. Like, I was like, but it, it did have some practical use outside of just uh, looking like a sky because they were drawing moisture down and those strawberries were growing. But doesn't that mean they could have just had that in the farming room? Probably, but they like, didn't. Like, not the whole... <laughs> Yeah. Right? They, it was definitely there for everyone to enjoy in addition to using it for growth. Right. Also, where'd they get strawberry seeds from? Never mind. Well, uh, <laughs> no, they, they specifically said that they like, uh, that's, I mean, but the, they built them basically. They took the, the they code from them. the matrix okay. and, and they like that. We got that explanation from the, the, okay. The, this, the, the other digital, yeah. Digital. I was like, I'm trying to think of Buckyball, the Buckyball be yeah. being. Uh, but yeah, he said like they took the DNA out of the, the matrix itself because that was such a good one to one, and then they were able to recreate it. Well, no one knows any better anymore, so sure. Yeah, true. It's like bananas in our world. It's like the banana flavor. It's, does it's that mean? Though. Yeah. Does that mean that they never knew what chicken tasted like, and that's why everything tastes like chicken? They just just give it all the same taste, and they just assume that's what chicken tastes like. And now it's real. They did it. That's it. <laughs> that's why we had this movie, man. That's that was the importance of it. Now it's real because now the strawberries they're eating are still from the Matrix, so there's no. <laughs> Do those strawberries taste like chicken? Like that's no, true. Oh my it, god, these are it, so good! It, oh my it's, god. It's Cypher's biggest complaint is that steak tastes better than gruel. Which well, now like you now you can get the Matrix steak in the real world. It's true. So. So yeah, it's just cool. another thing that's like the real, yeah, yeah. So now the real world has sentient machines that look like people, sort of. I mean, there's mm -hmm. magnetic forms, but whatever. Right. Um, people that were made by machines, reconstructed by machines, a simulated sky, and now food that is from the simulation. It's seeming to become that the real world is becoming a lot more of a simulation than. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. or at least finding its origins in the simulation 
something else that actually I'm not quite sure how to explain. So we get the thing because Bugs talks to Neo and he's like, this is what you actually look like. And it's this balding man with very thin, wispy hair. But how, why is that what he looks like considering his body was recreated? So and... it's what the analyst made him look like. The The analyst created this this form for him in the matrix but he still has self-image okay 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 and so to everyone else everyone sees this other form but to him he still sees keanu then, reeves <laughs> then i have then i have to truly uh give give credit to trinity for for falling in love with that because that was not attractive well so sheep maybe sees it also because that's a good point but <laughs> Uh, why why would he let her see him as him why would the analyst let her he wants to keep them close because they not... still have to have their desire it's I not guess. just about proximity proximity okay. is okay. part of it but the other part is the emotional okay so they have to have it connected on space and emotion right. um, and that's why it also mattered in the real world also their pods had to be connected close so that they could subconsciously still even feel close Right, because we saw that um, as Neo was being taken away, like she was, like her hand he was raising. Knew. yeah. Her hand was raising out of it, and her eyes were starting to open. And then as, as he flew away, the the hand lowered, and her eyes closed. Yeah, because they their their connection is so powerful. That, yep. Um. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's not a matrix. I mean, it's a matrix inside of a matrix, but not in the way that we thought. Right. Um. It's they're, they're, the, the real world is just the real world, and that's fine. Uh, somehow people are going to have to live to accept that. Because uh, <laughs> um, like at first I was like, oh, right, so this totally answers that. But then I was like, but there's still the one problem of Neo using his powers outside of the Matrix in Reloaded. Right. But then I found a good explanation for that, and now I'm just totally bought in that the real world is just the real world. That when he goes to see the architect it's in, the in Reloaded, uh, well, that's obviously in the Matrix. Okay. But, um, <laughs> uh, but when he goes there, he goes to the source where the architect is, um, and he's supposed to make that choice that seven times prior he makes the choice, or six times prior he makes the choice to just recycle his code and kind of start the symbiotic relationship that Zion has with uh, the Matrix all yeah. over again. Um, and he's supposed to start that over again, but by choosing not to, he doesn't recycle his code. And so he maintains his connection to the source. Okay. And so he kind of gains this kind of like constant connection to the source, which is connected to all machines. And so even in the real world, he has that connection to machines. Hmm. And so it, it's not that he's using his powers. It's just that he's now part of the, the code. He's part of the source. Okay. Um, and so he can communicate with machines in the same way that other machines can communicate with machines. Gotcha. And so... And then, I mean, you kind of see it a little bit in this when, like, that machine comes up to him and he, like, puts his head to it because it's, like, he can, like, feel them. He, yeah. um, he is connected to them. Um, so more of that. So so it's Neo still is, I think, more of the one in the scheme of things because he is the total connection between machines and man. 
now having that connection to the source. But Trinity is a very, very close second by now having been made by the machines. I mean, maybe now that she was made by the machines, maybe she intrinsically She's has just, it, just a connection the to the source. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. It's, I, like it. I, I think for the most part, it's pretty good. But I think they went a little overboard with their video game pitches. Because like you, you take that like 15 minutes out, I think it's a great movie. <laughs> Acrobatic kitties, man. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, do you want them to make... I, I said I wanted a, a fifth one. Do you want a fifth one? Have uh, I probably, you? probably not still. Okay. Um, I mean... I feel like they could definitely answer that, but I feel like you could probably answer that in a, uh, a quick short and yeah. you don't necessarily need a full budget film. Cause I feel like a full budget film would have to create and then solve its own issue yet again. Um, yeah. And, and, and the part that we would need a fifth film for is just a small money part of that. Like the, you could answer that in five minutes and then start and then solve your own conflict. And then that could be a fifth film, but <laughs> I don't really necessarily see a need for that. And plus, I mean, yeah. the movie's only been out for three days. Uh, budget 150 million, box office so far 20 million. So maybe it'll yeah. get that, but who knows? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, I'd be curious to know what its HBO Max numbers will be. True, true. With Spider Man No Way Home out in theaters, I have a feeling a lot of people will be watching this one at home. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it will be tough to say that it's getting its money back, which makes me think. It's actually weird. So there's more money being made in the theaters than ever before in like the past two years. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. In the past, this past week, more money has been made in the theaters than any other week in the past two years Absolutely. since COVID. And it's kind of, even though more money has been made that I should be sounding optimistic here, but I'm actually going to say the opposite and say it's kind of proof that maybe movie theaters are dead, which is really sad to me. I'm not happy about it. But we had an amazing past two months of movies. There are a lot of good movies that came out in the past two months. And the only one that's like actually profitable is Spider-Man No Way Home out of all of them. So <laughs> if none of these other masterpieces are profitable, it's going to be a less incentive for people to come and make more. It's of them. kind of turning into theater where, you know, theater used to be an every week kind of thing. And then it became an, an eventized thing. And a lot of people were claiming that movie theaters would go that way. And I wasn't too sure about it, but this is kind of proof that if only these multiversal stories are profitable and nothing else is despite how good it is mm -hmm. then uh you know <laughs> what what is what are movies <laughs> um it's going to be an interesting way to see how the box office changes in 2022 um because if it's only Marvel movies making money, well, I don't know if theaters have a, are, are able to continue with that. True. Or 
even studios able to continue with that as a distribution model. Unless going to what we are saying about the matrix to machines and humans, that maybe they have to they have to realize if they ever want a theater release structure, they have to just stop releasing things on streaming services altogether. And so they have to cut their legs off for the betterment of their industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about uh, at the beginning of, or not beginning of COVID, but like maybe a year ago <coughs> when, when movie industries were, where movie studios were, like movies kept getting pushed back and, and we were saying and i think you were saying that uh one of them just has to take a fall one one movie has to come out a big temple film has to come out and then if it makes money others will decide that hey we can come back out and do this yeah and i feel like that's gonna be kind of thing here that someone's gonna have to take the fall and not release something on streaming like a big disney film or a big something would be on hbo not release on the streaming and it would only be in theaters and then be like if that makes a lot of money because people are like well i have to go out and go see this because i can't watch right. it at home then maybe that'll make other studios want to do the same. Yeah, which will be very hard to do because Netflix has probably become a major studio at this point. Yep. And they only put like a tenth of their movies into theaters. Probably less than that because they pump content. But uh, yeah, so it kind of... Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. 20, 2022 will definitely nail in the coffin or allow the movie theaters to rise back to its original position. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think we're definitely going to see, I mean, think about what movies like made money this year. Spider-Man, no way home, Shang-Chi, maybe did Ryan, well? the last dragon. I don't know. Yeah. How much did Dune make? People were talking about Dune. Dune probably made some money. Um, almost 400 million so dude made some money what was its budget let's see like box office 2021 yeah dune's budget was 165 million <laughs> almost at 400 now now it's making nice. it's making profit so good for them okay so well this isn't updated for spider-man no way homes box office but also are these just all opening weekends didn't shang chi make more than 200 million uh probably not I feel like she made more. Yeah, 432 million. Maybe this is domestic. Yeah, domestic box office. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So this is only talking about domestic, but the highest grossing films domestically, just talking about the top 10. And you tell me if you can find something in common with them. <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Venom Let There Be Carnage, Black Widow, F9, Eternals, No Time to Die, A Quiet Place Part 2, Free Guy, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'd say most of those probably have DC Comics in common with them. Like they're all from DC Comics, right? Like they're that's all that's from DC Comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I don't know. F9, that's from Variant Comics, right? Like that's like in the Bloodshot <laughs> universe. <laughs> right. Yeah. He has the same actor. So yeah, I think so. Uh, it has to be. Uh, I just checked out so Space Jam too. Uh, made back its 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 uh its budget. Yeah, Space and, Jam and Two is number seventeen on the domestic box office, and not much more. So, but I yeah, I could e I could even continue this list, and it kind of continues the trend, even though we're now getting to sub one hundred million domestic. 
Should... But Jungle Cruise, Godzilla vs. Kong, Dune, Halloween Kills, Cruella, Encanto, Space Jam 2, The Conjuring, Candyman, The Boss Baby, Adam's Families, The Suicide Squad. Like, the name an Oscar film. Like, maybe Dune. Maybe Dune will win something. D Dune will win something, probably. But there's, like, not a single Oscar film in here. <laughs> like, like they, there's nothing that is... Wow, art you know <laughs> like <laughs> there's some really enjoyable stuff in there's some stuff that i love and i'll re-watch it half a dozen times but like house of gucci is number 26 in domestic box office it made less than 50 million dollars domestically like jeez in total like that's crazy like <laughs> like the, just the, the only movies that are making money now i don't know how much house gucci was made for maybe it was made for like 10 million but 75 yeah 75 i mean hopefully it made more internationally since gucci is not native to america um <laughs> i guess i could find that out it made 110 million worldwide i kind of figured that international would follow somewhat suit especially since China hasn't been releasing a lot of the American-made movies. Um, and so that whole box office is kind of just truncated. Honestly, that might just be it. Maybe, just maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, that without China's box office, making $200 million movies isn't really viable unless it's the most complicated of IPs. Um, unless it's a Marvel, a Fast and Furious, a, a Ghostbusters kind of did no, did no <laughs> something. That's very, no, it didn't. It made eight hundred and seventy million, yeah. not going to China, which gives it. That's impressive. It's it'll probably be. The, I mean, it's probably already the highest grossing film that's not been released in China, already. I mean, because that's uh, the thing with like Infinity War and Endgame. I, I mean, yeah, those, China, China was a good bit of the box office, right? And so now, I mean, that at least for for this Marvel movie, maybe not others. This is proof that they don't. I remember I wrote up something about it. Yeah, no, I got China. What China was about twenty to thirty percent of the box office for Endgame, and wow. I didn't do Infinity War, but and previous Spider-Man stuff. Wow. Uh, so yeah, like maybe it's just China that thirty percent being lost to all these movies. Uh, but otherwise, like now this could all be solved. This could all be solved. If movie studios would make cheaper movies, and I don't mean cheap in terms of quality, I mean cheap in terms of budget, and those don't have to go one-to-one. -one. Because for instance, the budget for the Alien movie, you know, that huge franchise? Yeah. The budget for the first one is $11 million. Wow. So if you can make sub $50 million high ip movies and even low ip movies just like no I mean, movie should have a budget over 50 million unless it's high ip and then it shouldn't have a budget over 150 million i mean there were a lot of practical effects in alien uh in aliens right. and then not a lot of practical effects in spider-man or in the matrix yeah. actually the right. matrix was quite a bit quite a bit of that was not real world so <laughs> but yeah i i think for non-high ip movies they should be people should be limiting themselves to 50 million dollars if they want to make their money back 
Right. Um, and this isn't a hard and fast rule, but um, just based on the stuff we're seeing, uh, $50 million for non-high IP movies. And then for high IP movies, I wouldn't go over $150 because it's not a guarantee. <laughs> Unless right. you know you're putting three Spider-Man in a movie. Then, okay, sure, you can go up to 200 250 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're gonna, there, there needs to be a shift somewhere and it's just a matter of where it is, but that was kind of our pretend movie news for the week. Um, I realized that the next episode we do, oh, well, because we do two shows here, we do a Friday show and typically a Wednesday show. Uh, Friday shows talking about some nerdy TV shows that we like to watch, uh, which now that Wheel of Time and Hawkeye is over, the next episode we do, I don't know if we'll be able to do it next Friday. i got to figure out what day I'm coming home. I think I'm coming home, so we might be able to do it Friday. Would you want to do The Witcher season two? Uh, that would mean I'd have to watch the whole Witcher would have season to watch two. It. Maybe not necessarily next week, but at some point. Would yeah, probably that? not next week, but maybe we could throw that in there. Um, we will be talking Young Justice still, but the first episode of Boba Fett will be out, I believe. Yay. Uh, so, yeah. So we'll be talking Boba Fett and Young Justice next Friday. And then this is technically next Wednesday's episode. So the first week of January Wednesday episode, I have no idea because the calendar I made stops at the end of 2021. And I'll have to make a new calendar for 2022. Uh, if we don't find a movie, maybe we do it at our MCU ranking to, to open up the year. Okay. Uh, so look forward to that. That should be a ton of fun. Um, if not, if you want to be notified about everything that's happening with the podcast, more or less, um, go ahead and join the Discord. You can find it on uh, the twitch.tv slash decision. There's a link to the Discord. Um on the about page or something or like you know with, with all those other drop downs uh you can find a link there and join us um it's very new so not too many people have joined it just yet uh but i'm hopeful for it as we get bigger and bigger uh but otherwise this is rounding out 2021 uh a more satisfying year than 2020 when it comes to movies Definitely. and uh hopefully a bridge in the right direction for the rest of my life (laughs) um but yeah ian it's been a fun year good uh till 2022 next year yep should be fun yeah there won't be another episode till 2022 wow crazy Um, it's crazy that we're almost 2022 we're uh, almost there. I'm excited for it. You got to get going. I got to get, get going. going. Uh, so thanks for being here, Ian. Thanks mm-hmm. for always joining me and letting me nag you even <laughs> when we have time constraints. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you get Happy something out of here other than the paycheck that I'm sure is still in the mail. Oh, yeah. It's, it's probably, it'll, be, it'll be here eventually. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, there's just supply the issues. Supply uh, issues. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm Joshua Troop. This is Unanimous Indecision. We'll catch you next year. If I can figure out.